Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. This is November 21st, that's right, 2020, and we are talking about the Galactic Center tonight. The Galactic Center has always been there, always will be, and in fact, it was even proven on April 10th, proven as far as scientists go, that was 2019, although they had papers out about it in 2018. But the fact is, it was known so long ago, the Mayans, the sun behind the sun, because in a nutshell, this galactic center, this energy source that consumes gases and takes in gravity and is like 400, no, not 400, well, at any rate, millions of suns in a space just about the size of Mercury's orbit. And that's not too big, you know, considering it's just a little bit bigger than our sun, but we're talking about millions of suns. So it's just condensed gravity. The point is there's so much to discuss about this. And this is the center of our Milky Way that we rotate about of our galaxy. So tonight, once again, I'm so very happy to have this event to talk with Gemini Brett, a shamanic storyteller. Starry storyteller. I can see that I, I said that just like a, 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 a flib whatever speak, but it's both true. He seeks those signs of the messenger's mind, and he's known as an astronomy of astrology expert. He's a mystic mythologist. He's an his primary intention is to retrieve star songs heard in those times before the written word. And he transmits the mysteries from sacred sites in the living sky through a system he calls Earth Astrology. It's the sacred sciences of a quadrivium, geometry, musical harmony, astronomy, and number in nature. Gemini Brett does consultations. He does mentorship. He's an instructor. He's a national, international conference speaker. He's spoken in India in 2019 at the Cosmic Intelligence Agency. And the, Hellen, the Hellenic, not Hellenistic, but Hellenic Astrological Symposium in Athens, Greece in 2020. And I think it was 2020. No, 2019. Well, at any rate, ongoing every year, Gemini Brett does Sacred Astronomy Astrologers course at the Organization of Professional Astrology, which is coming up in 2021. That's right. The calendar does continue. So with this, hello and thank you once again, Mr. Gemini Brett. <laughs> Hi, Sue, or I should say aloha. Yes, aloha. We are speaking across the islands. I'm here at the big island. I finally moved out of the wet climate to a warm endure on Maui. Uh, sadly, not anymore. I'm back in California now, just a few days back. Oh, well, that's okay. That's my birthright. So I guess 
Anyway, we continue. <laughs> All right. Well, the Galactic Center, I know that you've given long, involved talks of the importance of the Galactic Center. And so in an, do you have anything immediately? I, I have so much. I mean, it's the medicine wheel of the Lakota Indians with a sacred hoop. It It is our star behind the star as far as the Mayans. I, mean, I could go on, but I'd love to hear what perks your brain. Well, I mean, it's really helpful to be away from light pollution, away from the urban city centers. And I mean, Big Island, where you've now relocated, um, obviously has a really wonderful light ordinance. <laughs> um, and we get to see the Milky Way in the sky, which is not something that many people can do from their homes. Um, and sadly, many humans in our day and age will never see the Milky Way, will never see our galaxy. You know, it's amazing. I, I grew up in Las Vegas and, um, you know, it's just like captain of light pollution. So, but now when I go back, one of the ways that I heal that is I'll just get outside the city. You really only have to get about 45 minutes from Las Vegas and you can see the Milky Way. And so it's, I think, a very important thing for people to get away from the city lights and connect to the nature of the sky um, and we know that the Milky Way is just, just such an awe-inspiring experience. When you first see it, it's like, well, what are those clouds? And wait, they're not moving like the other clouds are. And so one of the old names for the Milky Way, at least biblically, um, was the clouds of heaven. And there's a specific space of that Milky Way band, which is from what we're taught today, the band of stars, like a hundred billion plus stars, um, that is our local neighborhood, our galaxy that we see through telescopes, these spiral galaxies, these other types of galaxies out and beyond. And, and the belief is, though, of course, we, we can't see our galaxy from the outside since we're in it, but the belief is that... Um, our Milky Way is a, is a spiral galaxy like many that we see out there. And it seems to make sense with a lot of the different images that astronomers are able to take now using not um, just visible spectrum, right? What we can see with our eyes or magnified with telescopes. But when we look through ultraviolet or mm. X-rays or infrared or gamma rays, all, all these different wavelengths of the electromagnetic spectrum add a different image or a different part of the picture. Um, and so galactic center is a really interesting thing. Most astrologers who study today, like tropical astrologers will see galactic center around um, 27 degrees of Sagittarius. Yes. And um, I know I read that in your um, promo for our chat tonight. So. I did. I almost wanted to call it galactic center reigns and then <laughs> i forgot to look at that but yes 26 27 maybe would you agree it is that approximately well, so it is when we draw a perpendicular line to the ecliptic um so this this is kind of hard to express in words without images but i'll do my best um the ecliptic is the plane of the Earth-Sun relationship. So if everybody listening right now, just please close your eyes and imagine the Earth 
orbiting the sun in a year and just see that orbital motion, right? And you know, this is the seasons and everything that happens in a year, including your birthdays and the holidays and all that. Um, and this is a plane that the earth is orbiting the sun upon, if you will, right? And so if you kind of look at that as like a, a plate maybe, and then extend that plate towards infinity in all directions, you encounter the constellations of the zodiac, right? So that's the ecliptic plane extended like into distant space. And of course, we are on Earth. So our experience of this annual motion about the sun is actually the relative experience of the sun orbiting us in a year and moving through this backdrop of stars, which are the constellations of the zodiac. And for the most part, our solar system is relatively flat. So uh mercury and venus jupiter saturn mars moon the outer planets once you get to pluto it gets pretty wonky but for the most part they're orbiting generally on that same plane so we we have this plane that's called the ecliptic that's the zodiac that's the wheel of the astrology charts we look at like that's our local i'll call it our local neighborhood right that's the solar system our buddies yes in conversation, yes. But our sun, of course, is one of many stars, or we could say our solar system is one of many neighborhoods in a great city. And that city would be the Milky Way. That's our galaxy, right? That's like the next biggest yeah. thing. Big and that consists literally of hundreds of billions of stars, right? <laughs> Unnum- yes, immeasurable, that's right. Right, so, so maybe like, neighborhood and country would be a little bit more appropriate to scale right or neighborhood in 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 the planet i don't know you know but i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of stars there's a lot of solar systems in the milky way and one thing that's always confused scientists is why if we are orbiting something in the center of of the galaxy in the center of the milky way which is which is what's taught that's happening and that's galactic center and that's why we can call it the sun of our sun because though it is not a star um it's now believed to be a super massive black hole gravity it is just like earth orbits the sun the sun orbits galactic center Yes, a gravi- I can't say it very well, but gravity, gravitational source. Right. According to modern physics, this is what's going yes. on. And Earth orbits the sun in a year. And right now we think that the sun and, and therefore all of our stars, planets like Earth orbit this galactic center in like 242 million years. So it's a long cycle. Mind boggling. Yes. But one thing that's kind of confusing is why this ecliptic plane, which you can see in the sky if you learn your zodiacal constellations, why it's not the same plane as the galactic center plane. They're tilted significantly. I don't know really why that should bother science, but yet I agree that it will because, of course, they are linear in their thinking, perhaps A equals B or A equals C of A, you know, B, all this mathematical deductions. But the fact is, you even look at our galaxy with Pluto and all the pl- Plutoids beyond it that are uh, 
what would be the right word, non-ecliptical, you know, anti-ecliptical or whatever. And even when you look at other stars, it just seems that there's forces that manage to connect like music, you know, dissonance and resolution that somehow keep it balanced. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the simple answer is what bothers the scientific mind is shit we can't understand. Yes, thank you. Right. Um, and so we have to create theories around, well, why, if we're orbiting this thing, why are we not orbiting in its plane of mass? Like it's this kind of, it's kind of like a sombrero, right? Like there's this huge center, the galactic center, where there's just so many stars kind of jam packed around it because we believe the black hole itself is actually kind of consuming stars, sucking stars into it very slowly. And so there's this great gathering of stars there. And you can see it in the sky in this place that um, the astronomers called the galactic bulge. And I mean, basically, you can just on your computer right now search the Milky Way and almost certainly the pictures that are going to come up if you do an image search will not only be of our of our galaxy of the Milky Way but they'll probably be of the place where a galactic center is because it is just so beautiful. And it really looks like an Ouroboros, like the place where the mm. serpent is biting its own tail. It does. And we can't see it at this time of year because we're speaking on November 21st, the sun has literally just moved into the sign of Sagittarius. And so it's so close to the galactic center only 27 degrees away that the sun is setting and then galactic center sets shortly thereafter. And it's just too bright out in the um, dusk light to see the Milky Way, the galactic center right now. So the sun will, as it does every year, pass the galactic center by, and that'll be in about 27 days when it reaches 27 Sagittarius. And then it'll keep going and eventually it will get far enough away that the galactic center will become visible to us in the morning sky because later, like in February is a good time where the galactic center is rising early enough before the sun that you get a good look before the rising sun takes the night sky view from our eyes, right? Um, so... Yeah, that one. There's a wonderful theory actually about why the solar system is not orbiting on the plane of the galaxy. Like why we're not actually on the sombrero, but crossing above and below the brim, if you will. Oh, good. Um, and the theory is that we're actually not from here. Ah, the planets instead. Yes. Well, maybe. I mean, it's currently understood that the Pleiades and almost all of the stars that you can see in the sky are stars of the Milky Way galaxy, right? So there are actually, there's a couple naked eye galaxies you can see with your eyeball. So the kind of famous one that's often pointed out to people, which is great to see, it's called the Andromeda galaxy, oh, yes. and it's very close by. It's the closest galaxy to the Milky Way. And, and you can see it with your eye. And I mean, it looks kind of like a fuzzy star. Um, but when you're looking at that, I don't know how many stars are in the Andromeda galaxy. Let me look that up. How many it's stars? It's just gargantuous, I think. I mean, besides the fact that we can see it, 
I just know right offhand I could. So a trillion stars. Yeah. In the Andromeda galaxy. So basically when you're looking at this tiny dot in the sky, which you can barely make out with your eyes, it's a very fuzzy thing. You're actually looking at a trillion stars in one little, you know, (laughs) tiny slice. It's so crazy. Um, But for the most part, when you go out, like when you see Orion, you see, oh, any of the zodiacal constellations or the Big Dipper, you know, whatever stars you might be familiar with out there in constellations that they're for the most part stars that are in the Milky Way galaxy in different places of this huge galaxy that we are of. Um, But there's this theory and it's definitely not like astronomically approved, though it is, you know, scientific theory. I can look up. It's how it all begins. People begin thinking of theories. So, yes, go on. That's good. I'm trying to remember coming into the 2012 thing, there was um, some research I remember reading from maybe it was Boston University and um, somewhere, I think in Virginia, where they... What they did is they filtered out the light that they were receiving in their telescopes to only look for super red giant stars. And basically what that means is I'm going to only look for old stuff because it takes a long time, according to our current cosmology, um, to... I'm to break typing down. while I'm speaking. Well it's, well, it's just like Betelgeuse. I was just reading Betelgeuse, which is an Orion, which thinking of the sacred hoop, which is on the other side, the, the silver hoop. This is no news to you, because I think I've heard and learned a lot through you and from what I've read. But Betelgeuse is a red star, and it's dimmed from being the ninth brightest to the 23rd, but it won't probably go out for what 200 million years or I, I have it in my notes somewhere, but yes, time is a very gradual process. <laughs> or maybe it's two million years. At any rate, it's a long time. Yeah, and it takes a long, long time according to our current scientific ideas for a star to go through these many different stages to become a red dwarf and not all, or sorry, a super red giant. Not all of them will. Um, Some will become black holes. And you know, maybe there's actually red dwarfs. I I just found this article and I'm kind of reading through it. I think it was super red giants. Anyway, let me just share this thing. I wish I could be more specific and share a link with you guys. Maybe I'll try to find something, but basically the scientists at this time were able to filter out the light in such a way where they were only looking at very old things. And what they found was that there's a very strong band of this really old stuff that's more in agreement with the ecliptic plane. And and the theory that this led them to was this. We know when we're watching um, milk or or sorry, galaxies far away, that sometimes these galaxies will collide, which is a really interesting thing to say because just like all matter, right? Like this desk I'm knocking my hand on, this desk is mostly space, right? Yeah. Um, galaxies are, there's way much more space than stars and light in a galaxy, right? So it is actually said that two galaxies can kind of collide without anything actually hitting 
anything yeah, else. That's possible. But they just kind of combine and they become a super galaxy. And then that could combine with something else down the road, like way down the road, yeah? And um, generally we see that our universe, the current cosmology suggests is expanding. So things are getting farther apart from one another in general. But when there's super massive things close by, like for example, we suggest that the Milky Way and the Andromeda galaxy, which is the closest one to us, eventually will have their own dance and become one bigger thing. So what this science was suggesting, which I think is kind of amazing, is that uh, we don't come from the Milky Way. We come from this other galaxy, which um, they dubbed the Sagittarius Dwarf Galaxy. Or, well, actually, so what we call the Sagittarius Dwarf Galaxy, these scientists were suggesting, oh, it's no dwarf at all. It used to be a lot bigger, but it's now being, in a sense, kind of consumed by the Milky Way, which is bigger than it. And together, these two get like we're in the process of these two becoming one. And so what the Milky Way is, it's not the place where we were born as a star and therefore a system, but rather, you know, our new home that just like you, Sue, our well, stars. I rather like this Gemini Brett because it brings home the whole ideology of how and why would the galactic center concern us in the first place. And of course, as we know, these particles, these radio waves, which are longer waves, emit through, well, as we know, radio stations, that's what we're working on right now. And it's going through buildings and everything. They travel beyond. And so, and I was reading, okay, connecting that thought, one thought, to the next thought of the ecliptics, um, not the ecliptics, the eclipses, thank you, of the last one on the 20th and the one, the metonic, before in December 10th, 2000, and, um, when was that? Two, I just wrote it down, 2001. Uh, okay, hold this thought, Sue. Oh, yes, that, that okay, they relate. But the fact is, is that as of now with this, incredible year of so many conjunctions and energy sources from so many different angles, almost like you could say an analogy of the universe with all its stars going and all, you know, being pulled in different directions. Um, in this melding pot of us, okay, and think going back to the galactic center and coming in and these two orbits, that, not orbits, but huge systems that you're talking about, coming into one okay well my thought process is and this goes back to your teacher daniel i th think because i was brainstorming trying to update this information for myself because i love it and it's one way to try to learn a little here and um, connect but it's just that venus and mars that we're refocusing our uh, rep what represents the feminine and the masculine energies. You know, we had a Venus star point in Gemini um, in early June. And then on the 13th of October, Mars in Aries was, and you could help me exactly remember how, but it was, it's retrograde and it could have been at its peak point, but closest to Earth. Perhaps that was it. And the point being that we're rectifying these 
these energies to being whatever. It's a kind of a question. But what you're also talking about on the macro scale is these enormous, uh, I don't think I'd even, I guess they would be galaxies, yes, unifying into one. I mean, wowie, maybe that's what some of this uh, energy, like, you know, waves, particles coming out of that center are trying to tell us and not to collide, just to unite. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, I think that's a good mantra. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so Daniel Giamario was my first teacher at the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. And um, Daniel is very much a sky guy. I mean, he, for decades, has been bringing astrologers out to the night sky to experience a living connection, right? And that's just so true to my own heart. And because Daniel was out there and he was out on the big island and out in Haleakala, the house of the sun in Maui and Joshua tree and many places that I too have roamed. I mean, it's seeking dark sky so he could really connect visibly and sensually to the heavenly mysteries. He noticed this very important thing that speaks to a window of time that we are now in, which some have called galactic alignment. Um, in fact, there's a wonderful book by that name, Galactic Alignment, by the great John Major Jenkins, who sadly passed away a couple years back, that I just highly recommend any modern mystic, especially star students, read, um, where John, on the heels of a previous work called Maya Cosmogenesis, where he showed what he believed um, to be an astronomical correspondence to the 2012, the, the December solstice 2012 date that seemed to be referenced by the so-called Maya long count calendar, that this was looking towards a very important astronomical phenomena of our day that sadly most astrologers aren't aware of. Um, and because it really corresponds not to this 27 degree Sagittarius point, but rather to a different point close by. I want to check in with the time here and make sure we don't have to take a break, Sue, because this is going to be a kind of... Well, a hot diggity, we will return. That's right. a beautiful segue. Thank you, Gemini Brett, and this is November 21st. We're talking about the Galactic Center. Whatever degree, we'll return, and thank you. we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Scorpio, traditionally ruled by Mars, now ruled by Pluto. By departing a cycle based on comparison between extreme energies finding balance, Scorpio commits a relationship to exchange resources, experiencing power and powerlessness for the purpose of soul growth transformation. As a fixed water sign that is extreme, intense, and secretively deep, Scorpio's passionate nature questions the psychology and mystery concerning life and death. Hey, this is Tara All, resident astrologer for Sage Goddess in Los Angeles, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. 
where we bring the planets and signs to life here on Earth. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Waiting, folks, and greeting, and we're going to continue with this next segue. So, dear Brett, tell me, uh, first of all, before you say anything, John Major Jenkins, what was the name of that book again? Galactic what? The book is called Galactic Alignment. Oh, good. Okay. And um, in in that book, he furthers his journey into the Maya cosmology and um, um, like alignments of Maya sites in the Maya myth and the Maya ball game. He's at all many places that really seem to be speaking towards this very important astronomical event of our day and age. Um, and in galactic alignment, he adds information from, Oh, Celtic mysteries and mm-hmm. Vedic mysteries and Egyptian mysteries. And, and he kind of shows a lot of places from around the world that we're speaking to the power of our time now, as indicated by this great astronomical helping ha- happening that has to do with the galactic center. Um, oh, read it. I've added a piece to it based upon the other side of the sky, which I'll also talk about that, that I see very clearly spoken of astronomically spoken of in the Bible and um, the new Testament. But so these are a lot of things that um, Daniel is so passionate about. Daniel Giamario actually was, again, my first teacher at the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. He, um, he's actually in the preface of John Major Jenkins' Galactic Alignment. So okay. the second time I read that book, I had been a student of Daniel's or at least had <laughs> met him, was going to study with him. And I was like, that's cool. This guy's in the book. And so what John yeah. Major Jenkins said is like, look, this is one of the only astro- astrologers who's taken note of this very important truth that the precession of the equinoxes where most people have their eyes to the east and it's like, you know, where is the zero Aries degree of the tropical zodiac aligned to the constellations or perhaps aligned to the sidereal signs? Like when is the dawning of the age of Aquarius has been the great question. But if we look in other spaces, like where, the north point, and this is where Earth's north pole always points, is um, tropical zero degrees Cancer, or towards the south point, which is zero degrees Capricorn in the tropical zodiac, where are they aligned right now? And the truth is they are crossing these galactic gateways, these galactic crosses. And this is a very hard thing to convey without imagery and pace and i take a lot of time to painstakingly do so so i'm just going to kind of pre-refer people to my website which is geminibrett.com and if you go to the offerings page you'll find um one lecture video that's called um the sun on the cross and the turning of ages and another one that's called 2020 revelations where i'm pursuing a little bit more of the biblical myths like one I, i'm a little bit more focused on charter cathedral near paris and the other one in the temples of washington dc which both i think speak to this very important mystery that suggests as we certainly now feel in our bones that we are living in powerful times um so one thing i learned at the shamanic astrology mystery school is that some of the old mystery schools it's whispered referred to the galactic center in that area of space as the golden gate 
in that the space opposite the galactic center, which, you know, the astronomers call galactic anti-center, um, Daniel likes to call it the galactic edge, that it was known as the silver gate. And the silver gate is said to be the place where our souls come from. Yes, and the golden incarnate. gate being the place where our souls will go. Yes, they travel down the Milky Way. May I ask, before we went on our break, you were also going, because I segued into the book, and all of this is so special. I mean, the son, on, the son of the cross, I can um, validate, is, is just exceptional, having heard it several times. And, and it's not just hearing it, it's just the concentration and the awareness of this, which I, I really hope to delve into also today. But um, because having taken your courses, I've, I'll men I'm saying this, supporting, you know, to the audience members, but you were talking about the degrees, like instead of 27 degrees. Did I steer you away from that? No, right. we'll get right okay. back. To okay, that. all right, very good. That what we were saying earlier of this idea that maybe the Milky Way is like our new home, um, or regardless, if what is according to current physics, like we were born in the Milky Way and we're orbiting this galactic center, and perhaps oh. like all the stars of our Milky Way will eventually suck our sun into it. Well, the sun we call by its Latin name, which is Sol. So, I mean, it's interesting to think in that regard of maybe this mystery of the golden gate is that our souls are heading to galactic center is just a literal transmission around the eventual movement of our sun. Wow. Okay. Uh, I follow right, so, you. So uh, back to the golden gate. I'm well, right. So about the degrees, the 27 degrees Sagittarius is not something you see in the sky with your eyes. And this is, you know, one of my great devotions is just to remind astrologers to get outside and look up, to get our faces out of the small screens of our computers and into the big screen of the living sky. Because with, a lot of times, like when people work with what we call fixed stars, for example, we're just looking at these tables of where those fixed stars are on the zodiac. Um, which is great. You know, many will know, for example, that Regulus has just moved into tropical Virgo. That was in 2012. Um, some will know, for example, that um, Sirius is around 14 degrees Cancer, which is great. But it's also important to understand that Sirius is very far from the ecliptic plane. And so if you go out and you learn your constellations and you know that 14 degrees cancer on the ecliptic is in the constellation of the twins, you get to see how far in the sky Sirius is from that space. And importantly, because this is often lost to people, though it's true that when we draw a perpendicular line from Sirius to that ecliptic plane, and I'm just looking up exactly how far away Sirius is. And the answer is uh, 40 degrees away. Okay. So we have to draw 40 degrees through the sky to get from Sirius to the ecliptic. That while Sirius perpendicularly projects to 14 degrees Cancer or 13 degrees. And no, it's actually, sorry, 14 degrees, 22 right now. Um, that doesn't mean in any way that Sirius is rising when that degree of the zodiac rises. That doesn't mean that Sirius is culminating when that degree culminates, et cetera, right? 
It's so, good. yeah. I mean, I've had students in the Southern Hemisphere, for example, when they're just looking at this table of where the fixed stars are or project to in the tropical zodiac, and I'll ask them to go find out what their rising star is. I've had students in the Southern Hemisphere tell me that their rising star is Polaris. Well, the issue is that oh, with that is Polaris is the North it. Star. It yeah, never, ever rises in the Southern you can't Hemisphere. can't see it down there, right. no. So you might be able to draw a really long line from Polaris to late Gemini, and that was rising when these Southern Hemisphere natives were born. But you, this is how far, and it, there's just so many examples of this. There's so We've fallen so far away from a natural experience of the sky that we can be confused to think that um, that a, a projected line is is the truth. Let me just put it that way. It, it, I I can, having taken the class, having really studied this, and maybe it takes time for folks, but I, I relate it somewhat in my own head, if this makes any sense, and I hope I'm not confusing things, like surveying. If I'm sitting in any spot, you know, like just looking uh, things in a distance, the further away they kind of line up. And so therefore, if I'm trying to get my bearings, it makes sense. And I think in a sense, that's where astronomers and we that are used to paper putting things from the three-dimensional and, you know, to two-dimensional get locked into it and and it's important what you're bringing out is that this is only a a gauge of reference i mean that's somewhat how i begin to realize the the difference you know that it's not accurate because you've gone through great um, uh, efforts to show that and we experienced it down there in in tucson where the sun uh, uh, I mean, planets were visible when they when it was said to have been set, but it's just because of this same difference. So um, perhaps I've confused it, but I, I, it is important. It is important to to realize that we are in this neighborhood of stars, for Pete's sakes, right? Yeah, we are. And it's important to know galactic center is not something you can see with your eye. But then also you can, you can see something very important, like unavoidably amazing if you're away from the city lights um, that's very nearby, which is this galactic bulge, which is this amazingly dense and beautiful clouds of heaven, the Milky Way at near galactic center that the ancients have been worshiping forever. And we can see in many cultures, in their imagery, in their myths, we can see, for example, that the Scorpion constellation and the Archer constellation, which of course traditionally are associated with the signs of Scorpio and, and Sagittarius, which in our day and age are the only two tropical or the only two zodiacal signs that we draw with arrows. And those arrows constellationally are associated with the Scorpion stinger and the Archer's arrow, and they point to the galactic center. The great constellation Ophiuchus also stands on that place. And we can see this in the Mithraean mysteries and the Sumerian Babylon. I mean, it's just all over the place. Yeah. So the ancients were so tuned into this. And of course, we don't believe this is because they had uh, radio telescopes, right? But it's something you can really clearly see in space with your face, especially before the you know terrible light pollution has claimed the sky. So... 
importantly, like what galactic center itself is like, what it's accepted to be now, they call Sagittarius a star and like a with a little asterisk is how it's written. And um, it was first in a sense, quote unquote, seen by a large array of radio telescopes, right? Who aren't looking with eyes, but listening with ears, giant robot ears in Australia, in uh, Dover Heights. And I think it was the mid 1950s where um, they picked up on a really intense point source of energy within this like massive galactic bulge of stars and found this thing that they named Sagittarius A. And then it was later accepted by astronomers, I think most famously so by the International Astronomical Union in the late 1950s. I think it was maybe 1958 or something like that is, oh, this, this is like the zero point for what we call galactic coordinate systems in astronomy that I don't know that any astrologers are using. And that point, it's not on the ecliptic but it's very nearby because if you think of the ecliptic, our solar system plane is like one bracelet and then the Milky Way as our gal galactic plane is another bracelet. They're not parallel to one another. They're like crossing in two places. And those two crossing points, one of them just happens to be very close to the galactic center. One of them, is very close to this projection of galactic center, which is not on the ecliptic, but it's nearby. And just as we do with Sirius or Polaris or any fixed star, we say that it lives in some specific place on the ecliptic by drawing these perpendicular lines to it. So um, Sagittarius A star which you can't see with your eyes. Again, it's like a radio telescope measured phenomena. It's about um, five and a half degrees south of the ecliptic plane. So it's pretty close. Um, and it projects to right now, it's at 27 degrees and 43 minutes of tropical Sagittarius. Actually, no, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. 27 degrees and eight minutes of tropical Sagittarius. So right at the 27 point. So very close to that is zero Capricorn. And a lot of my work has been devoted to showing what the actual real astronomy of the tropical zodiac is, because we suffer as astrologers attacks from people who say that we're using this like fake and outdated system because our signs don't align with the constellations. The issue they don't understand is that the tropical zodiac has nothing to do with the constellation. Exactly. It's just a representational or a guidance system of other facets. It doesn't relate to a uh, Right. Horoscope. It's about it's about the directions of Earth. It's about Earth's spin axis. That's all it is. And we never claimed it was about the constellations. There's a there's a constellational zodiac, there's a sidereal zodiac. It's a pretty confusing thing. I really like to show pictures with that. So go check out my website. You'll right. see a lot of yeah. this. But this is what's important in our day and age. That though precession has not yet brought one of Earth's poles, and in this case on this side of space, it's zero degrees Capricorn, the south point though precession will have to go for another three degrees 
to get to that point to 20, what's now at 27 Sagittarius and three degrees of precession, which takes about 72 years for one degree of this great year, this great cycle of about 26,000 years, three times 72 is 216. So we're not going to see the South Point zero degrees tropical Capricorn aligning with the radio telescope measured and projected galactic center for another 216 years about. But importantly, the visible cross of the Milky Way and the ecliptic plane is not right at that radio telescope galactic center. Like that's a point within this great mouth of a cosmic serpent and where that is, lives in our day and age is right where zero degrees Capricorn is. And so this was Daniel's like, you know, amongst many amazing revelations that that man has had in sky wisdom, this maybe was the most important was that, oh, wow. Okay. Everybody's looking at the East point, looking at zero Aries and saying, when is the dawning of the age of Aquarius? Well, what if I go look over here and I can see that the South Point, zero degrees tropical Capricorn, is literally passing through as it only will once every 26,000 years is passing through the galactic plane. It's like literally passing through the mouth of the cosmic serpent. And that's happening now. And it was most precisely aligned, according to modern astronomers and like December solstice 99 and December solstice 2000. But because the Milky Way is not just some tiny line, I mean, we can look at it, we can look at the plane of the Milky Way, we can draw it as a line, but it takes some space. And we might be most interested, especially when we get into the myths, of not just that zero Capricorn point itself moving through, but the December solstice sun moving through. Well, the sun itself is not some point as we know, it's a disc, right? And so there's, there's some time required that this very significant astronomical, very powerful astronomical happening of our day and age is a wider band than just that 99, 2000 time. The range I like to use is 1975 to 2025. Uh, and some argue with that and that's fine. And I'm biased because I was born in 75 and whatever. <laughs> but, um, but importantly, we are living in this time that we can see prophesized by so many myths. And again, I'll refer people to John Major Jenkins' great work, Galactic Alignment. And then I can speak to some of the happenings on the other side of the sky. And, and I can tell you how not only are they spoken of in what we have remaining of the Lakota star mysteries, but also in the New Testament of the Bible, and also in much of the imagery of um, that, you know, Masonically constructed capital of the United States, which is Washington, D.C. Well, this transition period is so um, profound. I mean, you've we've spoken of like just here a reference of what 25, 30 years, no longer than that. Anyway, 50 years maybe. Yeah, but it, it, the point is, is that I think of the transition. I'm thinking of the galactic center itself. It, I, I was speaking of 200th um, 
million years. It it er, they will have sunbursts from what I was reading, and that's when the birth of stars are created. And it has a lot to do with these this magnetic field around it that that control the gases and. And I started to realize just when anything, we know that in energy, it breaks down. There's this whole cycle and we have the cardinal, the action, the, 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 the coagulation, the fixed, and then the mutable where it starts breaking down and dissolving for lots of reasons until it becomes energy and just spreads out again. So with these, um, this center, this big gravity, gravitational pull and the electromagnetic field that we know both make up the systems of what we understand the cosmos to be between Newton and Einstein that we can't quite get together as into one formula. But still, what I'm driving at is that I'm thinking as we, I mean, it's very interesting that we now have seen this gravitation, uh, this uh, a, a photograph, which for science and for all of us, I suppose, is is really important because they say that. I, I remember we were glued to the TV that day, looking at it, as all these people were talking, and they were saying that this is the day that will forever mark after before than before because the theory was proven and so we have and but besides that the consciousness is okay there is a black hole and the black hole does take in it what i'm getting at is is that there's whether we came from another galaxy because we are on the edge of this galaxy i mean i can think right away well maybe we drifted over here and got pulled or however but because we're not in the center it but it's like a to me, it's like kneading bread or like this funnel that comes in, like this slow system of, of, of energies that get pulled in for gestation. Because they say it's like a 500 million year, and I don't know if that's light years or regular years, but anyway, they said years, a system of, of new st- from one cycle to the next. Okay, so we have this this. It seems that somehow the consciousness here, we have five more years, Brett, <laughs> to have these radio waves get into our brains to understand some new, like a leap, you know what I'm saying? A leap into another consciousness where we see this evolution of life and death, of cycles, of beginning and end, the Ouroboros as you're taught, you know, this the whole systems. Yeah, I mean, so what? what is this time about? What are these five years left? And some would say it's already kind of run its course. And some people have, say it hasn't started yet, that what we should be more concerned with is when the South Point actually aligns to the projection of the radio telescope measured galactic center now at 27 and eight minutes it's 27 degrees and eight minutes of tropical Sagittarius so again that's like not going to happen for 215 years or so yeah which Um, is a transition I guess that's what got me started and besides that I love your idea of zero not just idea but the fact of zero degrees Capricorn a very um, potent point and it's also squaring the 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 eastern western horizon right Aries and Libra so I mean the it's the axis that 
Yeah, yeah I mean, speak- the cardinal points very importantly, they align to Earth's cardinal directions. And so right. it's literally the southern spin axis of Earth or Earth's south pole is always forever and ever and ever leaning towards zero degrees tropical Capricorn. And now through precession, it's pointing at this cosmic serpent in the sky. It's not yet pointing at that place where the radio telescopes suggest this Sagittarius A star point source of the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy is. And that again, won't happen for like 215 years. Um, But it's pointing to the place where you see with your eyes in the sky, this amazing mouth of a cosmic serpent. Mm. And so that of course would be what the ancient star keepers who weren't looking with radio telescopes but who were looking with their own senses and their eyes right that's what they were looking towards and um and and that will kind of will slip out of that and then we'll move actually closer towards this galactic center alignment so you know it maybe nothing's ending in in 2025 some would say nothing's begun yet um but maybe actually we're in this great range of like a couple or a few hundred years but this would be a time where i mean in some regards it kind of looks like this is revelation <laughs> what does that mean i have no idea how can what can we do about it well the answer to that is always be a better human being but i think part of that is like really investigate your diet what are you consuming where are you consuming it from <laughs> that includes not only the food you're eating but the news you're eating that's for yeah, sure our own gases of environment right if we take that analogy of the galactic center like either have it make our cosmic aura around us of um oh growth growth energies little particles of here I am next to the ocean with its negative ions, I think, that you had. I will say briefly, next week we don't have, we're being preempted. The women's basketball in Seattle is rising to claim to win their trophies or whatever they're going to do. So we won't have um, Talk Cosmos until the following week. But we, but tonight I'm speaking with Gemini Brett, and you can find Brett at Brett. GeminiBrett.com. Okay. I was going to say. With twin T's, okay? G-E-M-I-N-I-B-R-E-T-T.com. And yeah, and there, just because I know we're running out of time here, Sue, I'll I'll just refer people, if you want to follow some of this mythical transmission or how it's shown in Charter Cathedral, how it's shown in Washington, D.C., um, how it's kind of, I think, spoken by Jesus in the New Testament when he's on trial Head over to GeminiBrett.com, go to the offerings page, and there's two movies. A shorter one, though it's not short, is um, The Sun on the Cross and the Turning of the Ages. There's another one where I go into a little bit more detail. It's called 2020 Revelations because I'm showing how it's not within this 50-year window of time from 75 to 2025 I spoke of earlier. There are three eclipse points on the North Point, on the Zero Cancer side, and those were 2001, 1982, 2001, and 2020 that I think are very important. So yeah, head there and we can continue the story. Sue, I hear the music. Oh no, we have a few minutes. I mean, not few minutes, but it's like one minute before closing. So yes, the music does come on, but 
we don't have to just, I mean, in the past, I closed up like okay, a book. Well, let me just say a few other things, because a lot of people wondered what the 2012 event was about, like what it is if there was something astronomical. And again, I think John Major Jenkins is the best case of describing what it was, which is what I was talking about today. And it's a zero Capricorn point aligning to the galactic bulge. But other suggestions were maybe this was the time where our solar system was crossing the galactic plane. That's definitely not true. But one, and I heard you alluding to it earlier, Sue, is this idea that spiral galaxies emit the energy that they're sucking in perpendicularly to these amazing, powerful jets. But they're also seen sometimes to emanate these rings of energy against the, across the galactic plane. And some have suggested that we're going through that now and that there's a new charge, a new energy that's coming Woo! to will be oh, the speed of our species evolution. So okay. I will tell. Thank you, Mr. Gemini Brett. Once again, onward. <laughs> nice to speak with you again, Sue. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, I loved it. Thank you and blessings to all. Good night. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.